in a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts. You have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk Filmy to Me. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, the film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. We talk about films, past, present, and future, what we love, what we didn't love, and maybe all of the fandom in between. If you like that, if you like the cut of our jip, then click on the like, follow, subscribe, whatever button it is that you get more content from Talk Filmy to Me. Anyway, let's crack on. I am joined on the pod today with my with my Chewy to my Han Solo, with my Dumb to my Dumber, with my Nicolas Cage to basically basically fucking anything insane. John Crick, how you doing, buddy? I'm very, very good. I'm in the same room as you, again, two on the bounce. I know, it's getting it's getting nice, isn't it? It's getting nice, getting used to your face again. Oh, well, this is episode 101. We're going to be talking about Secret Cinema, talking about Frozen 2, going to be talking about The Irishman, and a bunch of other filmy stuff. But more, what have you been doing the last week? What have you been watching? Well, I watched the first episode of Succession. Have you heard about this? See... Sam Bain, I'm peak always, show fame. I'm always like a six month later kind of guy, right? Yep. So like everyone keeps telling me, oh mate, you need to watch Better Call Saul. I'm like, nah, nah. <laughs> six months later, I'm fucking yeah, loving it. Six months after everyone else, I'm always into it. So give it another four months and I'll get into succession. But the thing is, I don't even fucking know what this show's about, but the theme tune, I've heard it a billion times already. It's, apparently it's a banger. Like, it's wicked. It's uh, It's... I've only watched the first episode. If I hadn't watched three and a half hours of The Irishman, I'd probably have been halfway through the first series. I sort of heard that it was a slow burner, hmm. uh, but Sam Bain of Peep Show fame, he wrote half of Peep Show. Right. He's written this. Uh, it's an American show, HBO, so it's on Sky Atlantic, bit of a pain in the ass for a lot of us in England to watch it. Hmm. But the first episode's totally got me hooked. I'm, I am so in it. It's all about based on the Murdoch sort of empire, but it's uh, obviously a fictional. Is it Australian? No. Oh. But this whole family, all the characters, they built. I don't know. It's the first episode's laid out these characters so well, right. and now you're just like, I've got to watch the rest of this immediately. Mm. But I had to watch three and a half hours of the Irishman. I didn't say had to. Yeah, it's, it was it's great. Let's face it, it's not like prison. We'll like, come to that. I've been looking through film Twitter and the amount of people who are like proper bitching and moaning, oh, why's the Irish with three and a half hours? <laughs> like, you know what, you don't, just don't watch it. Or watch it in two goes, like I did. I had to do it in three sittings, to be honest. Three but sittings. there's one person, I can't remember his name, apologies, but basically it came out in general release in the UK in cinema last week and it came out on Netflix on the 27th, which is a Thursday, and on Wednesday night... I saw this one guy tweeting a photo in a cinema on his own about to watch The Irishman. You know what? <laughs> that is fucking dedication. And although Martin Scorsese may say what is or isn't cinema, you're watching it the way he intended, not on a phone or on a tablet in the bath. You know, no, fair play to him. So um, I've been watching Final Space Season 2. That came out on Netflix last week. Really enjoying that. Not as good as the first season, but um, there you go. That's my review. <laughs> yeah, no, I like Finals, but I've only seen one episode. No, it's, it's the first, whatever made the first season tick, I haven't found that yet in mm. season two. It doesn't mean it's not going to get good. I'm about seven episodes in. I love it. It's the same like, um, you know, that game Death Stranding came out a couple of weeks ago, the Hideo Kojima game. Everyone is saying to me, oh, after about 30 hours, it gets really good. 
<laughs> what fucking thing do, medium do you have to consume that many hours on to enjoy? I don't know. But um, anyway, let's start off our first review. Me and John went to Secret Cinema, an undisclosed location, to review Stranger Things, their latest endeavour. So here we are. Enjoy. Secret Cinema. For the uninitiated, Secret Cinema is an immersive cinematic experience where basically an undisclosed London location gets taken over in the theme and the guise of a various movie or TV show and guests are invited to go and partake, get involved. It's the best way to immerse yourself in a cinematic experience. They have done films already like Blade Runner, they have done 28 Days Later, they have done Back to the Future and most recently done Casino Royale which we reviewed a few months ago on the podcast. And I'll tweet that out if you're interested in that review as well. This time round, they are going into the world of TV. In fact, this is with a collaboration with Netflix. It's right there on the poster in partnership with, and they've got the seal of approval to go and take us to Hawkins. That is right. Stranger Things are afoot in London, and Secret Cinema invited us there to go have a bit of a poke around. John, you know, full disclosure, we were invited. You know, we went as the press junket stuff. Mm. What did you think? First thoughts. I absolutely loved it. And I am the uninitiated, right? I've never been to one of these things. I've heard you talk about them. You told me about the previous ones they've done. None of them really made me think that it would be a great marriage of like theatre and cinema and immersive Mm -hmm. uh, kind of entertainment. But this, Stranger Things, everyone dresses up as 80s characters. I mean, there's so much you can do and it did not disappoint at all. I thought it was absolutely wicked. From the moment you sort of get there... You just start walking around, doing whatever you like. Yeah. You can sit there and get pissed for a bit, <laughs> yeah, which yeah, as we, did, for a bit. we yeah, definitely yeah. did. You can get involved in the myriad of little storylines or characters, go and talk to characters. Yeah. It was just incredible. And I had a real aha moment of like, oh, there's something between sort of theatre and cinema and well, maybe playing you're and... paying extra, but you're a super fan of whatever it is and it just makes so much sense mm. i thought it was uh, amazing so let's talk about the, the actual experience right so you, you you get a ticket to this event you get given a persona you know like you heard about those murder mystery things kind of like that right you get given a character and a backstory and you'll have an assignment or a mission to do when you get there we were given our assignments we were returning to hawkins and we were working on the media part within hawkins but we won't go into any more details than that we have been briefed firmly over what we can and can't spoil and um yeah, we had a great time, to be honest, and it was something from the moment you step in, the moment all of a sudden you're no longer in, in London and it's a dreary 2019 and we're all going to die because of global warming and the election's you know fucking terrible. All of a sudden it's 1980s middle America and you are in Hawkins. And it's not just the people that make this, it's the staff that get involved as well in this. The people they hire, these are not like rubbish panto actors these are people at the top of their games really really honing their craft and immersing themselves in the experience which means you get immersed and they're having fun because they get to improvise right i mean they're under obviously you know a set what they can and can't do and but there's a lot of improvisation involved there's so much interaction every night is going to be completely different yeah and yeah, that I mean, that's I think that what a cool way to spend an evening. Just Definitely, and I think like the best testament I can give to this is that we're British, and sometimes British people need a <laughs> bit of encouragement to get involved in this sort of stuff. When we turn up, it was raining, it was cold. 
we were hungry and yeah the first couple of minutes you're like oh i don't know if i can be bothered i don't know if this is really my thing but 10 minutes later we were running around we were immersed in our characters we were talking to everyone involved and the best part is is that the the general public that are going to this as well they have narratives that might end up interacting with you because of your narrative and we just got lost in it didn't we yeah there were times that we you know should we just have a beer for a minute and just sit down <laughs> you know it's just, it's just drink it in yeah. and enjoy it you got a bit of FOMO because of all the different things you could get up to yeah it's very un-British fundamentally isn't it because there's a load of interactions with various people you yeah. don't know I've got to be outgoing you've got, got to dress up fancy dress yeah. <laughs> there's a, but I think I kind of feel like that's what this country needs at the moment oh my god more than ever <laughs> right man now this is this is escapism of the highest order within a fandom of something that you probably know and love because you've just spent a lot of money on a ticket to Stranger Things, which probably means you are a fan of Stranger Things. This is your ultimate experience. This mm. I wouldn't call it... So one of the things which I was wondering how they would solve is the way it traditionally works is you go immerse yourself in the experience for a period of time and then it concludes with an event where you will watch said medium. So... Uh, Casino Royale, we've done some cool casino-y stuff. I think I can talk about it now because I don't I think the event's over, but I won't go into too spoilerific details just in case, NDAs and all that. But you ultimately end up watching the film. Now, Stranger Things is in season three. There's probably about 30 hours worth of material. What the hell are they going to do? And they solve the problem. I'm not gonna say how, but they just solve it. And they do it in the only the, the only way secret cinema could do it. Mm. So Anyone trying to like intimidate? It's not intimidate. Anyone trying to like mimic this? It's not going to do it to this degree. Mm. Not going to do it to this passion. Not going to do it to this level of detail. They got fucking Netflix on the poster because Netflix are like giving their thumbs up and say, "Yes, you may." I approve this message, and rightfully fucking so. It's absolutely brilliant the amount of immersive detail that goes into this. If you are a Stranger Things fan, this is a celebration. Mm. This should be a fucking pilgrimage for you. This mm. should be your your goddamn Woodstock of. Oh my god! Don't you remember when Friends Fest happened mm. in London, where they like took over the cafe and that sort of stuff, like that, but amped up to eleven because oh, that's ah, there was a pun there. Um, because of the way it immerses itself with the actors, the, the the drama, the culture of it, it has its own lore and everything else between of that. I I, I and here's the best compliment I can give it. I went home and watched Stranger Things that night. Yeah, it gets you well up for it, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I, speaking as someone who is a Stranger Things fan without being a super fan, yeah. I, I still absolutely loved it. I, I feel like a mega fan. This is the ultimate, isn't yeah. it, really? Like, never mind a you know, marathon. Actually going somewhere, dressing up and immersing yourself in that whole world is is pretty cool. It's about as good an experience as a fan you can get, really. Uh, I will say, <laughs> we're not obligated to give this you know no yeah 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 no exactly like if we didn't like it we wouldn't we would have just done i would we just wouldn't have done the review Mm. because yeah yeah it's nice being invited to this stuff but if you've got nothing nice to say then you know what you don't need us slagging it off but and we're not here to do that because we actually fucking loved it there is one thing i will say go on then you we might have been caught off guard flinty because let's face it Toilets were calling, and we did not go at the opportune time. <laughs> and thus, yes, there was, we a, were... <laughs> there was a bit of a cure at the end, weren't there? Yeah, you have. Well, yeah, you have yeah, to you pick your that? toilet breaks tactically. Yeah, just remember you need to go. Like, okay, come on, you know, we're not fucking children, but we basically were children because we got immersed in it so much. Like, neither one of us said, "Oh, I need to go." So uh, towards the end, we were we were bursting. But uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's just a testament to how like immersive the thing was. You didn't want to step away for any moment, really. Um, mm. what 
can we say that we can't? You know, that, that's part of the, the thing on this. I'd so, say dress big or go home. Oh, definitely. The best part is, like, you know what? I would hate to have been someone who just went from work and didn't bother. There were people outfit. that didn't bother, though. Did you? I didn't notice them. I think there was some, but I mean, everyone's eighties. Eighties can be ambiguous. You could just yeah, get a bandana. Yeah. I mean, and probably I suppose do the job. <laughs> what we should say is that you can put what you get into this is what you what you put absolutely. Put, yeah, sorry, yeah. What you get out of this is what you put into it. Is what I'm trying to say. And if you are not that sort of person that likes to interact with lots of people and wants to get involved in lots of stuff, that's okay. And that's okay with Secret Cinema as well. You could just go and drink in the atmosphere. And there were times where we actually, let's just take a step back. We're supposed to be reviewing this fucking thing. Let's actually just have a look around and look at it from every type of angle. And if mm. you were just at a view of, you know what, I just want to watch the immersive experience but not participate, you can so do that. And you'll have a great time. There's lots of things to get involved in. There is, like I say, the FOMO of there's like 400 things going on around you. You will find time to do that. Get there early, though. Do not think you'll just rock up for the last hour and you'll get loads out of it then. No, you want to be there for every second because there are so many different things to do. Definitely worth the money, in my opinion. Um, although it does look quite hefty when you just look at it just as a price. But You're not going to go every week, though, are you? No. and I mean, But you could go again and if you do, do something you... completely different, you... which is kind of... That's a kind of good aspect of it. If you, because I got a lot of FOMO. Yeah. You know, because there's so much to do. You're like, I can't, I haven't got time to do it all. Let's yeah, just get yeah. pissed. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what happened. But, um, but yeah, like, like, like we say, the way it concludes as well, it's so fun. It's so immersive. It gets you involved. It, you are literally breathing every episode of Stranger Things. You are seeing it around you. You are interacting with it. If you're a fan of, I mean, they have hit the, ha- the nail on the head with this one. When I saw the poster for the first time, I was like, Stranger Things? I mean, yeah, it's cool, mm. but is, is this going to work? Um, even if you're just a fan of the 80s. It was. It's a perfect marriage. I yeah. think they've they've nailed it with this one. I can see this one really making it properly mainstream, so that maybe people outside of London are coming in. I don't know. A lot of people from London do come down for it, but I get your point in terms of like it's just another thing where people will be like, oh my god, like they've done an amazing job on this, and they're now this is the first time that my understanding anyway is that they've entered the world of TV. So would love to see where they go and what they do next. But you know, in all honesty, like this this was this is the best one yet, and mm. you know it's definitely a five star night out. If you have a Stranger Things fan in your life, they are going to love this. <laughs> this is the best Christmas present you could probably get them if they are into this sort of stuff. Yes. It's We've, incredible. They've probably got enough tats. Get them an experience instead. Yeah, spoken like a true millennial there, John. So there we go. Uh, we probably will do a giveaway of some kind relating to this. Uh, probably a T-shirt or something. I don't really know yet. But uh, keep us posted on that. And uh, yeah, so there you have it. A five out of five experience. Secret Cinema presents Stranger Things. John. Yes. As a 33-year-old male, I can only assume that Frozen is one of your favourite movies of all time. Bloody love it, mate. Saying that, you did work for Disney Mm. for a long time, and so did your wife. Did you? Did Frozen? Was Frozen out when you worked at Disney? Yeah, I'd say we worked for Disney about five years after Frozen came out, and it was still the most uh, dressed-up. You know, there was Elsa's and what's the other one called? 
Olaf. Anna, Anna, Olaf. They were all over the ship. So Frozen's just like... You worked on the ship. You didn't Captain <laughs> Philip someone at, at Disneyland. No. <laughs> it, was a, it was still phenomenal five years later. So this is... Yeah. It was a big one. I, I definitely have no time for the music in it. But uh, <laughs> I had it enough. Well... Turns out you can have even more of a good thing. So we'll review it in a little bit, Frozen 2. But Frozen 2 came out a couple of weeks ago and it's already become Disney's highest earning animation of its opening weekend of all time. Wow. That's fucking insane. Mm. Like, uh, we could only, we only, we knew that was going to happen, I suppose. Why is anyone surprised? Like, say, Frozen's had such a cultural impact. I think it was probably what really launched a, I don't know, Joanne might uh, kill me for saying this, but a semi-renaissance within Disney animation where they really went big on computer animation. Yes, there's Pixar, but I don't clap. That's not Disney. That's a company Disney acquired and they learned some lessons from. Frozen, Big Hero 6, Wreck-It Ralph, all that sort of stuff. It was all started because the money generated from a film like Frozen and Tangled, to be fair, off of that. It also means that this becomes Disney's highest earning animation movie ever for an opening weekend. And I think, yeah, it's clearly got to break the billion dollar mark. It's insane. Two billion? With it being so close to Christmas and Star Wars coming out really soon, I don't know if it can mm. do it. Um, and I, I don't, China, if it comes out in China, then absolutely. But I, I don't know. And there's only a certain number of films, foreign films, that gets released in China over the year. And I don't know if they've already met that quota yet. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Um, yeah, like I said, we'll talk about more in the review. But um, the review is very much more songs, more characters, more Frozen. <laughs> they should have called it Too Fast, Too Frozen, to be honest. But... Um, but yeah, obviously it's not necessarily aimed at us. Anyway, let's talk about something else. Might be a little bit more controversial. Uh, we talked about the Michael Jackson movie that was being scoped out by the Bohemian Rhapsody producer last week. Turns out more people want to dive in on this. Well, Johnny Depp of all people is going to be producing a movie following the life of Michael Jackson as told through his glove. Now there are a number of statements that are wrong there <laughs> a lot of them which probably shouldn't ever exist uh yeah what's your take on that john i don't know it kind of sounds a, a bit johnny depp kind of makes sense but again how on earth i mean is it about it's obviously about michael jackson through his glove <laughs> i i have no idea color me intrigued flinty and <sighs> let's make it out I, i'll go with the same thing fuck it Make Why it. Not? Make it. Why See not? See what happens. <laughs> what was that show? It was a cartoon in the 80s where it was about talking shoes. You know, it was these shoes that would talk. Uh, no, I don't I know. I don't know. It'll be, I can't remember. After, someone on Twitter will, will know and be shouting yeah. it at me right now. But uh, yeah, it was just like this animation about these shoes that had like eyes and would talk to each mm. other. Maybe the glove has little eyes. and Or it'd be like it's the hand from Adam's family creeping around. Actually, that's starting to go into I need to get a lawyer before I make more accusations territory. <laughs> but um, why is Johnny Depp doing this, man? Like, I'll speak. I, I once had this debate with someone in a pub and she absolutely categorically defended Johnny Depp and everything he does mm. and I'm just like but he's uh, we should point out their accusations of uh, of domestic violence between him and his girlfriend at the time and we need to listen to that and we can't just say because you're Johnny Depp that there's two sides to every story if he was an ugly fucker <laughs> would we have been saying the same thing yeah I'm just asking the question I was absolutely flabbergasted by that has he had a good film like in the last five years Johnny Depp uh, I don't know, maybe not, but I remember for a long time I would watch anything with him in because it was a... It was a hallmark yeah. for, a, for a minute, yeah. So I've still got a bit of time for him. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, and I remember growing up when we were a bit younger, thinking he was kind of salt of the earth, never allegations, anything like that. And then marriage broke down and suddenly, and it tars you for the rest of your life. So <laughs> <laughs> you, went, you went accidental partridge then. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, he was in that um, oh, Fantastic Beasts sequel. For some reason they recast Colin Fell mm. and they made it Johnny Depp. And I think they're probably going to recast again. But uh, yeah, I, I ain't got time for the guy, to be honest. I ain't got time for him. I ain't got time for this, whatever this film he's apparently producing. But I'll tell you what I do have time for. Go on then. I've got a little bit of nostalgia for Mr. E.T., the extraterrestrial. <laughs> Mr. E.T. Mr. E.T. I don't know if you can call him Mr. Well, we, have, we, we allow Mr. T to be Mr. T. Why can't we have Mr. E.T.? It's Mr. E.T. Is, is an alien from another planet. Doesn't mean he doesn't maybe have rights, John. Have genders. No, oh, maybe good point. Good point. I should rethink my gender <laughs> biases before I denounce uh, aliens. But um, anyway, this was trending for a couple of weeks actually, um, but in various different countries with rumours. And then it, when the advert dropped, so ET was back on our screens, albeit for about three minutes in the form of an advert for Sky TV. But what makes this more interesting is they got the original child actor of Elliot to reprise his role as an adult man and E.T. return. E.T. come home for Christmas with little Elliot and his family. There's something quite charming about that. There's something nice. All these child actors that probably gave well, it up when they were about year. 11 and were like, you want to do this for like 200 grand? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like exactly. Work in a bank. <laughs> the last Sorry was... to the guy, he probably doesn't work in a bank. Nah, he's probably doing all right for himself, to be fair. <laughs> um, Macaulay Culkin was that last year, right? Do you remember Home Alone with his Google Assistant? And he literally reenacted the scene, jumping <laughs> on the bed as like a 35-year-old man. I love it. Do it. What other classic films would you like to see come back in, albeit an advert form? I don't like seeing any films. Oh, doesn't it grind your gears a little bit when, you, especially Sky, are the most guilty. They take beloved films and turn them into adverts. Yeah, I know, but I kind of just want to see. It. Here's one. Here's one. Amazon Prime no. for Black Friday. Yeah. Never ending story. The dragon delivering your parcels. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Would you okay. do that? Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. Oh, okay. Uh, what about um, Karate Kid? Yeah. Do that for an advert. Uh, you could do Uber. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Daniel's son pulling up in an Uber picking you up. Pretty good. Pretty good. I would I was gonna go down the Cobra Kai route, but out of respect of the guy from Cobra Kai dying recently, I thought I'd keep it high bro. Well, I'm glad you didn't mention it anyway. Yeah, 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 that's good. Um <laughs> what other classics should they they do? Um I well it's gotta be eighties. Yes, yeah. nostalgia. That's like prime nostalgia t- territory, isn't it? What about Robocop? Robocop Deliveroo. Yeah. Fucking sells Boom. itself. Take that, Hollywood. Right. <laughs> so you imagine just like, you can imagine you turned up and they're just like, oh, uh, yeah, you know, restaurant, you know, frying some burgers or whatever. Then, <laughs> um, or any futuristic that's set around about now and like come in and just conceding that they got everything wrong. Yeah. That would make a good advert. That would be interesting. Why would this guy political? I just want to have Murphy turn up and say, dead or alive, the burgers come with me. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. Well, I'd like to see the Mighty Ducks somehow integrated into yes. this. Yes, 45-year-old men. 45-year-old men running along in a flying V formation, <laughs> delivering something. 
It could happen. It could, it could, happen. It could happen. Hit us up with more ideas on that. Anyway, we've done news for so long last week because it was a, the return of the Mac in terms of a, a minute since we've had a pod. Let's break it up a bit. So coming up is a review of Frozen 2. Uh, we pre-recorded this last week. We didn't get it in time for last week's pod, so we're going to slot it in now. And here it is. Enjoy. Far away. As north as we can go, once stood an enchanted forest. You've seen an enchanted forest? Yes, it was a magical place, but something went wrong. Since then, no one can get in or out. Whoa, Papa, that was epic. Dread it. Run from it. The sequel to Frozen arrives nonetheless. Yes, of course, a film that's had such a cultural impact on children across the world has made billions of dollars. It was inevitable we were going to get the sequel. Frozen 2. Yes, we are back. Elsa, the Snow Queen, and her sister Anna embark on an adventure far away from their kingdom of Arendelle, but they're joined by their friends that we know of Kristoff, Olaf, and Sven. But so much more happens in between. This film is set shortly after the events of the first Frozen film and of course those many little sequel spin-off-y things they've done uh, this is the big next tale in that this doesn't follow the same sort of tropes of traditional sequels right this doesn't try and just double down this tries to explore new stuff and um, the sinister person in me is saying you're trying to explore new stuff because you want to have new songs and new characters for new toys but let's go down the, the storytelling route of you know what they've found another way to find more stories about acceptance and finding out you know that it's not just about the traditional story tropes that we've kind of known come to expect uh, you know i'm gonna be honest i'm not a massive fan of the first film because it's not aimed at 34 year old straight men it's aimed at children and anyone who wants to feel acceptance and fair play they've done it again in shed loads in this movie the best the toughest critic for this is my two and a half year old daughter who i took to go see this she absolutely loved it she was smiling ear to ear basically the story is that arendelle has been hit with a curse it's something to do with a forest that is nearby and they're going to explore what is going on i'm not going to go any more spoilerific than that you can get most of that from the trailer in terms of the songs and stuff there are some belters the into the unknown is kind of this film's version of let it go Um, i don't know if it's going to have as much of the cultural impact as the first film had but it's very enjoyable nonetheless you know what I went in with pretty low expectations, thinking, oh, it's going to be another one of those movies where the kids, you know, just got to fucking zip through it and then I get out, you know what I'm saying? But I actually walked out with a big smile on my face. I thought the animation was breathtaking. The cinematography of the animation was beautiful. Within it, Olaf is just as adorable and fucking annoying as ever. There's somewhere between being hilarious and being annoying, and he's always on either end of that spectrum. It never seems to find a middle ground. Uh, the story gets a little bit confusing for a second. I've got to be honest. Like I actually had to be like, why is that there? Why are the elements involved? Why is the forest doing this thing? But ultimately, the you know the conclusion pays off in a very similar way as the first film in terms of there's not a MacGuffin, there's not a a big thing that needs just needed to be changed. There's just it's about looking in yourself and this film does that as well. Great lesson for kids. Great lesson for adults to reflect on as well. Um, 
is this the best animated film this year? Well, actually, I think that Frozen 2 and Toy Story 4 are going to dilute the vote, and that will probably say that the third Dragon movie, the How to Train Your Dragon third movie, is probably going to be the best animated movie for that reason. But it is still a very, very worthy sequel nonetheless. It is going to make a truckload of money. It will continue to make a truckload of money, and there probably will be a third Frozen movie. Uh, just for completeness, this was directed by Jennifer Lee and Chris Buck. The music was composed by Christoph Beck, and that uh, the screenplay was done by Jennifer Lee and Alyssa Shrenona. So there we go. Let's go with some quick views. But Frozen 2 is not a slam dunk, but take the whole fam for everyone. And that was done by Paul AC on Twitter. And I concur with that. I think it's very much a 3 out of 5, if there ever was a 3 out of 5 does not mean it's a bad movie at all uh, I don't think it's like forgettable or anything like that but I, you know it's obviously the first film was such a revelation this is more of the same from that perspective uh, what other reviews can I bring ah James Berdinelli he's back again is he let's go with this so he has said that and I quote Frozen 2 is a worthy follow up with enough heart action and music to entertain younger and older viewers alike uh, yeah no, I agree with that let's go if somebody said it was a stinker uh, Matthew Lacona from the San Diego Reader said not much to gain against a good deal of mess oh that's all right maybe not don't agree with that one like i say for me it is a three out of five take the kids you're gonna enjoy it there's some new voice acting in this we've got sterling k brown he's in this he's very interesting as well we've got evan rachel wood you know and obviously the original cast of uh Kristen bell and josh gad and the like are back in it as well so there you have it frozen two Three out of five. Quick question. Is the whole putting us in mortal danger going to be a regular thing? News. So, we didn't talk about this last week. So, Charlie's Angels came out in America and it came out in the UK this week. It's a reboot that Elizabeth Banks is writing and directing. Uh, she came out and made some, I don't want to say controversial subjects, because to be honest, she didn't come out and say this. She said it in an interview long ago, it's just that it's been dug up now, was basically saying that if Charlie's Angels bombs, it will be because the movie-going audience do not want to pay for it because they, they you know, it's basically kind of implying that basically action films are sexist and we've had 37 Spider-Man movie, why can't we have another Charlie's Angels movie? And that, that did upset some people on the internet. Um, it doesn't help that uh, the marketing for Charlie's Angels has been really bad. Like, mm. let's face it. Yes, they went and got some great pop stars to write a new song for it, but let's face it, it's not Destiny's Child <laughs> level yeah. in terms of promotion. And yeah, there's been hardly any promotion. And what a surprise, it has not done very well in the box office. That does not mean Elizabeth Banks is blaming the world. It means that certain media outlets are trying to find a narrative to, to go in there. Um, although, you know, she probably could have found better ways to have addressed some of that when mm. with her responses since then. But anyway, uh, that she's going to be directing an Invisible Woman movie. Now, remember last week we were talking about the Invisible Man trailer, which has got Elizabeth Moss in, but Elizabeth Banks is going to be directing and writing <laughs> so and confused. maybe even starring in an Invisible Woman movie. Now, this is not based on that world, although apparently they might tie in. Apparently in the 1960s, there was a comedy film about the Invisible Woman, about a mannequin, or a woman who works in a mannequin store or something like that, uh, becomes invisible and all the shenanigans she gets mm. up to there. And then Elizabeth Banks is going to be helming that. John, does that sound interesting? Sounds like a lot of invisible movies coming out. <laughs> um, but yeah, like body swap movies, I'm all in for it. All in for it. All, all in. in. I was I, as long as they find like really creative ways of like 
It can't just be just like a, a sock floating and they're going, oh, I'm holding the sock. <laughs> yeah, no, I think Elizabeth Banks having a moment. So I think um, anything she does, I, I'm a big fan. And I, I'm a bit questionable. She sort of set herself up with the Charlie's Angels things like, oh, it's not my fault. The movie's definitely not rubbish. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just so you know, guys, <laughs> it's not even out yet. But if it bombs, it's because you're the problem, not me. Yeah. It doesn't help as well. that, And this is not her fault. But on the marketing campaign in London, they've done the whole big bus thing, right? Yeah. So basically, they, they spend a fuckload of money and London's famous for its big red buses. You sponsor the big red buses because when people travel to London, everyone wants a photo of the big red bus. Ergo, you are getting a million photos taken of your poster being shared on social media. Not just social media, I've been doing it for fucking years. Anyway, history of marketing 101 over. Uh, on those big posters that they've been putting on the buses, there was kind of a fuck up from the agency. So at the top of the film they put an Elizabeth Banks film. They then decide to not put the cast and put Elizabeth Banks, Elizabeth Banks, Elizabeth Banks and another Elizabeth Banks. So five times, I think it was, on this massive poster. And it's like, yeah, it's all a, it's all about the actors you're trying to push through and women's empowerment, isn't it, Elizabeth Banks? But it's like, <laughs> Elizabeth Banks, look at me! <laughs> so it doesn't help her. Like I say, there's kind of a narrative I think that some media outlets are going for. Um, we haven't seen it yet, let's be honest. But the um, reason why is because I I wasn't available for the press screening because I just had a kid. But um, you know, at some point we will catch up on that and maybe do a retrospective review. But in all honesty, like I don't think people come to us for retrospect. I hate to be honest, I'm not a really big fan of like really retro reviews. Like you know when you see on Twitter someone goes, Oh, here's my hot take on Jurassic Park. Well done, mate. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, we know it's a good film. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. It's one of them that's could possibly pass us by. I think it's going to be a Netflix and uh, we make a joke about it after the, the heat's died down around it. But uh, anyway, like I say, Elizabeth Banks is interesting and I can't wait to see what she does with this property. Speaking about interesting people, Michael B. Jordan. He has been in some really interesting films. I really like him in Creed. I think he's absolutely fantastic. Not to mention Killmonger in Black Panther, just to name but a few of his amazing things. Um, he's met with Warner Brothers about becoming Superman. An interesting idea, right? Someone like Michael B. Jordan, a black Superman, that'd be interesting, right? And yeah. There's something. I think it needs something, right? I'm, Henry Cavill, for the record, I love you, man. Like, if I ever... I, I know what pub you drink at, and I know what dog you bring there, and one day I will muster up the courage to come over and be like, can I pet your dog? But he is Superman, and for a generation, he always will be. And he has even come out and said, the cape is still hanging up in my cupboard. I have not said goodbye to the role mm. just yet. I think Warner Brothers has for him, but um, let's see what happens there. But let's face it, the guy is too powerful. There's not really that much interesting in a world where superhero movies or just movies in general become more complex you can't just make a straight up movie anymore you have to find different layers different realities different flavors of society that makes it a diverse and engaging experience someone like michael b jordan can definitely fucking bring that mm. yeah superman is always i think the lamest superhero so i say michael b jordan go with a different one so there was a really <laughs> controversial script about 15 years ago, written by J.J. Abrams, um, before Star Wars and before, I think it was around Cloverfield time, actually, because when he was producing that, and he completely changed Superman. Like, mm. Krypton still exists, so it doesn't blow up. It, Superman's not the only Kryptonian that lives on Earth. Like, they come back and forth sort of thing. And there was such a... And this was before the internet was the internet. It was like the internet, but it was kind of like, you know... MSN internet, mm -hmm. not not Reddit and Twitter war 
um, internet and even then like the feedback was so negative of this idea that they went, no no it's truth justice and the american way and Christopher Reeve and all that sort of stuff yeah. and then eventually they went going down that direction of the Brandon Ralph Superman movie Superman Returns which you know again for my money I love Brandon Ralph I think he's done an amazing Christopher Reeve impression if you wanted to know if Christopher Reeve was still around and we made a Superman movie in modern-ish times that is your film doesn't help that the director is a you know is Brian Singer and the less said about him the better but the actual film I, you know, I kind of enjoyed it and Kevin Spacey was in it in fact you know what I don't think, other than Brandon Ralph, anyone else should be mentioned from that <laughs> film. Um, but the idea of someone like Michael B. Jordan taking up the role, let's not talk about Fantastic Four, because that fucking film was terrible. Uh, not his fault. Josh Tank, the director, wrote mm. a review of that film. Really? Like, years later. Mm. Yeah. It's on Letterboxd right now. Wow. And you could find out like what he, he thought about the film. He doesn't go too bad on it, but it's just really interesting that a director who basically, he, that project went fucking terrible, like studio mm. interference and that sort of stuff, um, he wrote a review. That would be really interesting if directors did that more, like 10 years after the film. Yeah. I just explained everything about it. Or like just the biggest fuck up. So like imagine if Zack Snyder wrote a retrospective about the process of making Justice League or what other like films are absolutely apparently Shawshank Redemption was a complete calamity really like everything went wrong like everyone was like this is like no one enjoyed making it no the the process was terrible they had to pause production studio interference Stephen King was like getting involved and pissing off people to the point where no everyone was like you know I'm done there you go here's your fucking movie Shawshank Redemption I'm done I'm moving on Oh, what is actually one of the best films ever made? <laughs> That's bizarre, isn't it? She probably shows the power of the editing room, you know. Definitely, and I think this, and we'll, this is a theme we'll talk about later in our Irishman review. I think Martin Scorsese owes the editing room a lot as well when it comes to putting it together. He's had the same editor for his entire career, Martin Scorsese. Really? She's only start. I only personally think she's starting to get the recognition now. Mm. Like even now, like people are saying, you know what, dude, you're a great director, but you are a partnership, and only a fucking partners. You know, it's not just all about you. And uh, yeah, and again, she's edited the Irishman, and you know, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Anyway, let's round off news. Um, let's talk about TV. Better Call Saul, as mentioned at the start. I, I got to the party late, but I concur, it's fucking great. For you, is Better Call Saul? Where's Break, Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad? Where's that? Like, it's behind Breaking Bad. But it's it's definitely not a disappointment. I remember being dubious. You know, I always get dubious about the prequels. But Soul was definitely a character you want to see more of. I thought it was... I think it's a really good show, Better Call Soul. And this is good. It's this last one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're going to fin- round off this. Well, they've not said it, but how can it not be, right? Mm. Because it goes one year... Every season... My understanding, please correct me if I'm wrong on this, people, is that... Each season represents one year. Mm. And season one started approximately five years before the start of Breaking Bad. And this will be season five. So that means, just by its own logic, the season should conclude at around the start of Breaking Bad. I would love it to conclude meeting Walter White. Oh, what? As in, like, literally, he goes to work and he gets, and Walter White's in his well, office. They, yeah, that they literally recreate the first you know time the, he meets them in Breaking Bad just yeah. to kind of oh yeah so I cross. think I would like it to do this it tie two loose ends at the same time one completely agree with you it should end with him going into his office and meeting Walter White for that first scene we get for him in Breaking Bad I also think there's two narratives there's two trains isn't there there's the what's been going on in the past which you get 
80% of the show's about. And then always at the start, or maybe sometimes at the end, there is a black and white scene of what Jimmy went to do, right? He's in that Cinnabon, mm. you know, getting locked in cupboards and not really doing much and being afraid of policemen. Wouldn't it be amazing if you find out that that Cinnabon is in Alaska? Mm. And as he's like walking home one day, he walks past uh, another gentleman who's uh, just arrived in town, got a weird accent, calling everyone bitch. I would, <laughs> I would love that. That would, Ooh, be, that would be so cool. good. Yeah. But uh, to be fair, we keep trying to write our own endings, but Mr. Only, we, it's all out of love, Flinty. So yeah. we just don't want it to end. The universe to end. It don't. But now, like, I didn't want them to do this spin-off movie, but I fucking loved it. It's brilliant. And I, no, I, you got in Vince Gilligan. I trust. Yeah, and he's he, never let me down. No, he really hasn't, has he? And okay, just a quick thing. Let's say Better Call Saul ends. By the way, the news <laughs> was that the show's coming back in February. Um, but if in February when it, the show finishes, because I presume it will be like you know binge watch finish. Although saying that, the narrative of releasing one a week, we're still talking about The Mandalorian. We're still talking about Succession. We're still talking about oh, what else? Um, uh, Watchmen. Like, I think weekly releasing is the way to go. Yeah. Like, Game of Thrones, I mean, that built up. It was the biggest show of, of all time on yeah, TV. Yeah, so I think there's a world where you still have binge shows, but when it becomes mega, it becomes a topic, it becomes topical. I think mm. weekly makes more sense. But anyway, um, that side. That's, let's say Better Call Soul concludes. Would you like to see more in this world? And if so, who would you give a spin-off show to? I would take... I would definitely take some more. I don't know. It's really hard to say, isn't it? Because it would have to be a prequel at this point. Um, I don't know. Who would you? Mike. My, yeah. Give me well, that that's the natural. Show, man. That was the natural. To see how Mike, what he did with As his When life. he was a copper and his son, mm. all those problems. Like, but it can't be played by Mike. He's too old. De-age him. Netflix <laughs> has got the money. Yeah, you they don't de-age him quite easily because he's... He's kind of bald. Yeah, he's, he's basically just uh, <laughs> he's yeah he's just just find an old like a, a youngish bald man, and I'll be happy. And right. just him in New York as a crooked copper, and then something happens where his son gets in trouble. I'd watch that all day, man. Oh, yeah. That'd be fucking brilliant. And even, it'd be funny if they got the voice just dubbed by by yeah. you know, the guy who plays Mike. <laughs> Walter, because you I'd can't recreate it. that voice. No, you really can't. You really can't. Anyway. What other shows from Breaking Bad Universe you'd like to see given the prequel treatment? Get in contact with us on Twitter at TalkFilmy to me. Frank, I want you to meet my cousin, Russell Buffalino. Better watch, there's a lot of tough guys around here. Did he tell you? You're not afraid of tough guys, are you? I didn't think so. I was one of a thousand working stiffs. Until I wasn't no more. You got a good friend here. You don't know how good a friend you got. Russell, he took a shine to me right away. After a while, he started giving me little things to do. It feels like we have been talking about this film for the best part of two years. And that's because we have, when the news came out that Mr. Martin Scorsese is not only just coming back, but he is bringing the band back together, everyone that you have loved, nearly anyway, in his cinematic endeavours, he is bringing back for one last hurrah. The Irishman is a biographical crime thriller that fro uh, follows the life of Frank Sheeran, who's played by none other than Robert De Niro. He recalls basically the best part of 50 years of his life, where he works with people like Al Pacino, 
knows Jimmy Hoffa. He works with Joe Pesky's uh, Russell, I can't pronounce that surname. And there's a bunch of other mm. stuff in between of this. Now, there's some not controversy about this because Mr. Martin Scorsese decided to say the week before the film's release of what is cinema and what isn't cinema, but he has decided to take on the technology challenge of de-aging his prime actors throughout the film. You will never have the same actor in the same age range with the other actor on the same screen at the same time. That's incredible in itself. This is a three and a half, yes, that is right, you heard me correct, three and a half hour movie epic on your Netflix account at the moment. John, before we go deep into this, what's mm. your reaction? What do you think about this film? Well, it took me two goes because I wanted to give it the attention it deserves. Just as Mike Scorsese wanted. <laughs> Everyone needs a pee break, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really liked it. I really liked it. I had a lot of hype because I love Scorsese, as many of us do, and the actors. I mean, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro together, That's it's been a long time coming since that happened. I think they Heat might have been the last one. Mm-hmm. Joe Pesci coming out of retirement, retirement. for this. Retirement, I know, it's insane, isn't it? Allegedly, De Niro sort of convinced him to, to do it one last time. He made him an offer he couldn't refuse. Boom, <laughs> there we go. Um, it's... And it's incredible to see these three amazing old veterans. men, veterans, yeah. uh, back together and giving it their A-game. Um, I mean, so prim- I, would, I would hate to talk primarily about the, the ageing, but it's a big part of the movie, right? Yeah, it's, hundred, like it's, a, it's almost a character, right? It's, yeah, Scorsese's, I mean, it's quite pioneering for a very old veteran director to, to do this and mm-hmm. try out this new technology probably arguably the most effectively it's been used so far yes and no so here's my here's some of my my gripes with the 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 asian thing and they're only little gripes by the way i fucking love this film um is that we know what young robert de niro looks like yes because we have seen him grow through his cinematic career for the best part of 50 years we have seen what al pacino looks like we have seen what joe pesci looks like and when they decide to go back to like just around the Second World War, and they do some really early clips. You know, when we saw that in the trailer, I did say it looked like a PS2 game. Mm. It still looks like a PS2 game, and they know that. They fucking know that because it's a blink and miss it scene. It is literally just a quick look in, pulls a face, shoots gun. That is the scene. That is it. Job done. Mm. But they want to stick it in the trailer to show the age range that they cover in this film. And what I found fascinating is that. Robert De Niro brings his fucking A-game to this, right? Ladies and gentlemen, it is 2019 and Robert De Niro is fucking still hitting it out of the park. He hit it out of the park with Joker and he fucking wound it up and hit it even further with The Irishman. Which means he has been involved in every part of this. He was a producer. There's a really charming interview of Stephen Graham, who is in this film as well. Good to see Stephen Graham get some real acting chops in this as well. And he, ironically, he played Jimmy Hoffa in Boardwalk Empire, the Martin Scorsese TV show. And he has the play across Al Pacino playing Jimmy Hoffa, which is quite interesting. But, um, yeah, as mentioned, sorry, Robert De Niro really, really uh, encapsulated his character, but also the film creative process in this, which means he done most of his stunts. He done everything for his character. But they de-age him. So when Frank is supposed to be in his 30s, they've de-aged him so he looks like a 30-year-old Robert De Niro, but he still walks like an old man. <laughs> I think this is the elephant in the room. Yeah. Of, I mean, the face looks... It's like when you get old, your nose and your ears get bigger... So they de-aged him. <laughs> they made him so small. <laughs> <laughs> well, young in Taxi Driver, Robert De Niro. I mean, it, it almost looks like a different person. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's really it's a really tough thing to do. 
and obviously you can't you can only de-age the body so far and he kind of walks you can't you can't de-age a gate right there, what i mean the walking their mannerisms yeah, yeah. There is a scene outside the grocery store that is almost <laughs> two laughable. old men fighting. <laughs> almost laughable because the fight is n- it. It kind of looks terrible, and I was really surprised it was. Sort it of it made, made it a cut. In. Yeah, but I mean, I would hate because so much love and attention has gone to the movie. I would hate for that to be too much of a distraction. But if I'm honest, the de aging it was hard not to think about it in most scenes. So I found it distracting. I know some other people did. Hmm. Um, but, like I said, it might be just a case of new technology. I think that's the reason why the film is three and a half hours long. Because, like, you know what? Because the, the first hour is probably more jarring, isn't hmm. it? Because like, you get those flashback scenes where it goes really far back when I talk a little bit about the war, when it talks a little bit about these people meeting for the first time. And, uh, yeah, there's a, the scene with the grocery store, which is almost verging on laughable. Hmm. Um but towards the end of the film, you're so absorbed and captured by the performance, you don't give a fucking shit. And this is what great actors do, right? They just bring you in to the point where it is literally a masterclass from De Niro in this film. I really, I also thought Pacino is fantastic as well as Joe Pesci as well. Let's not you know, say that there's one person that outshone everyone because they were all fantastic. But you can really see the relationships they have for each other in this film especially between Joe Pesci and De Niro like there's just a look of admiration and love mm. and friendship that has been built for obviously the best part of you know 60 years off the camera and it shows on the camera as well so what I find fascinating about this film and masterful storytelling is that there are three tropes that happen in this film three story tropes that intertwine there is Frank as a very, very old man in a care home. Being, a, you know, it's a Scorsese movie. He's going to narrate over it. He's going to talk about history. He's going to talk about what happened to certain people when they died and all that sort of stuff. It's the old man rekindling a life that's passed. Then there's a story in the middle of we're old, but we're not quite dead yet. And we're going to do a road trip movie. It's mm-hmm. a buddy movie. We're driving across the country. And during that drive, we're going to rekindle and talk about and regale our lives that have got to this point. And mm-hmm. then you've got the story. You've got the boy who grew up. You've got the boy who become uh, the gangster and the gangster who, let's not spoil anything where it goes from there. It's a double flashback movie, isn't it? Yeah, it's a flashback within <laughs> a flashback to an extent. And it jumps. It jumps through periods. It doesn't tell you what's going on. It doesn't even try and hint at certain things. It lets the narrative and the, the dialogue bend and it's you it's not in. that confusing. No. It sounds confusing describing it, yeah, but... It's not. It's it, not at all. No, even with the ageing, sometimes it was questionable, but it was always quite clear what what was going on and yeah. how the story was being told. Let's, let's not talk about the big names. Let's talk about some big names, but not as big as the big names. Jesse Plemons is in this film. Yeah, it was surprising to see him. He seems like just getting all the good movies at the moment and yeah. good parts, which is great to see because he's a brilliant actor. He is a brilliant actor. And he's, again, one of those guys where, let's face it, he doesn't transform his body for roles. <laughs> if anything, he lets it go in whatever direction he wants. But he just lets his acting do the talking. He's great in this. And as mentioned, Stephen Graham. Mm. I love him. I think you know, he's come a long way from, from Tommy in Snatch to fucking sitting in a room with Al Pacino and holding his own. I've got to be honest, I have a massive man crush on Al Pacino. He is my favourite, probably my favourite actor of all time. He was so good in this as well. De-aged a little bit. And yeah, again, it's kind of laughable sometimes. They've de-aged the face, but the body's still <laughs> the body. Yeah. And the body goes where it needs to go when it yeah. gets older. But uh, yeah, it is fantastic. I think this is the last hurrah for a lot of these actors. Joe Pesci coming out of retirement for it. They de-aged him and aged him and, and all 
all the sort of things in between that, but I thought his performance was was masterful yeah. as well in this. I mean, the, the best acting is done in these kind of sitting across a table and just the dialogue between Let them. the dialogue flow. Yeah, man. I mean, like all great mob movies, there's so it's all about things that aren't being said in the conversation, yeah. right? It's 100%. been suggested. It's almost I hate to bring him up again, but it's 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 sort of like the way Trump speaks, where he's not. He's directing people, but he's not quite telling them to do that. But they know that it's mob boss sort of yeah, territory, yeah, yeah. and it's just fascinating. Like Frank, he his you know his face just melts because he knows he's been asked to do something, but not explicitly. But there's, he emotes. He emotes, yeah, and man. it's incredible. Um, it's quite. I found it quite a bleak movie in a way because it is. there's not there's no one to root for. The main characters. Deeply flawed, and uh, it's quite a miserable <laughs> ending. Yeah, it's almost the anti-Scorsese gangster movie because it doesn't go with the whole. Like, let's 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 take some tropes that he puts in his gangster movies. There's the flashback scene. There's the music scene where you hear some lady narrating over it about how great life is, about how we live like kings and got steak everywhere, and everyone's high fiving. Mm. He he inadvertently does not do that on purpose because he tries to. Kind of different ways of saying that, which is amazing for some of his age to be trying new stuff. But let's face it, let's talk about some stuff that, um, you know, he is a man of a certain time period and of a certain generation. I don't think he's very good at writing for female characters. He never has been, but he kind of gets a free pass because it's Martin Scorsese. Mm. He's not necessarily good at representation of people of colour as well, although, you know, he does he does tackle taboos. and He does talk about anti-Semitism quite a lot in this film. And he tackles that in a way which is reflective of the characters, not representative of him. Is that fair? Yeah, I would say, I mean, it's a tough one. The male thing, he writes, I mean, these mob movies set in the 70s. They're, they're meant are, to be sexist. Ma- yeah. yeah, and Anna Paquin, who plays Peggy, the uh, Frank's daughter in this, mm. she gets something like six or seven lines in, throughout the movie. But... The amount of work she's doing in her face and her reactions. Also, the child actor of her before. Yeah, fucking phenomenal. great job. She does an amazing it's job. In, it's incredible how much she's saying just with a look. So I, I would really hate to criticise this movie particularly for saying, oh, you know, kind of like, um, what was the last movie that got criticised for? Uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Once Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, so yeah it's I, not on that level. No, I would hate for it because that. she's really doing so much work um, as Frank's daughter, it tells so much of the story. It basically kind of highlights his how messed up he's he is with his family uh, and his you know biggest life regret. So I would I'd hate to criticize it for that. And at the end of the day, Martin Scorsese is an Italian American who writes mob gangster movies primarily, and it's a white man's game. Uh, so I I kind of think the argument's slightly redundant for for that point of view. But, you know, I guess he's stuck to what he knows is what, and that can be a good thing. Yeah, well, let's talk about what the, the film community out there is thinking about this. So on Rotten Tomatoes, it's obviously killing it right now. I'll give some quotes. So this is from James Berdinelli from realreviews.com. And I quote, Whether seen the big screen or small screen, The Irishman is among 2019's best motion pictures and should receive its fair share of Oscar attention in 2020. Agree with that? I think it deserves it deserves a few nods. Um, Who though, and in what 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 way? Well, it'd be good for Joe Pesci to get a nod so that he can do another one of his 
uh, <laughs> Oscar speeches that are notorious. He famously had a very abrupt one, didn't he? I'm going to have to dig that up. Um, I think De Niro deserves the bulk of it, though, let's be yeah. fair. It's amazing to see them both. They all bring their game, their A game. After De Niro, you know, let's face it, had a had a gap of movies that he looked like he was just sort of having fun in the Bad 60s. Grandpa. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. But, I mean, this just to see them all bring their A game and do that together again is amazing mm. um scorsese i mean it's a it's a it's a master class bike i can't give it a five you know what i mean i felt should we talk about the bad things yeah well let's go over bad reviews go so on, this is from christopher lloyd at the film yap uh cool name uh, put the irishman is basically a marty scorsese buffet Little tastes of all these gangster movies, lots of yummy morsels, but it doesn't really come together as a coherent meal. And just to counter that as well, Rachel Wagner from rachelreviews.net. Ah, she follows us. Hey, Rachel. Um, In the end, the pacing is too ponderous and self-indulgent. The characters are too stagnant and the story lacks an emotional punch. Now, although I love this film, Mm. I do agree with those views to an extent. There isn't an emotional punch. You want there to be. You want to be... You want a message to come out of it or something. I, I think I did, but like we said, it's bleak. Yeah. So if you're hoping for some sort of marshmallowy ending or something, then you're going to be disappointed. But I think it was, it's a really good movie, but I do agree with the ponderous pacing. Um, I mean, it's three and a half hours. I would hate for <laughs> to say, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's too long. Some three and a half hour uh, movies. I wouldn't go that far. I, I loved it. I think it's. I, I just. I really enjoy these actors, mm. and I really enjoy this mode of storytelling. And I don't. Obviously, no one does it better than Scorsese. So give me more of it. Like you know, what? I fucking love chocolate ice cream. So give me. This is my fucking tub of chocolate ice cream. Yeah, I might regret it and have a sore <laughs> stomach the next day, and I might need to go to the gym for six months yeah. to work it off. But you know, what? fuck it. It's Christmas. I'm indulging, baby. And you know what you're getting, right? You, if you're coming into this, you are a massive fan of these films. You're a massive fan of, his, you know, these people on Twitter bitching and moaning, saying, "Oh, I don't want to watch it." Don't. Mm. It's quite simple. There's enough reviews out there. Like the world is not going to change because you didn't sit down and watch this three and a half hour gangster epic, which is what it is. But I do agree that there is something about there is not that emotional punch. This is not a fairy tale, mm. uh, and there are some self indulgent things. Like I can't help it, but it does annoy me where they'll he'll meet someone mm. and it's just a fucking extra, right? I'm shaking your hand. Hey, we're at the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, talk about that. Talk to me. I don't know why I go 1950s sweetheart <laughs> on it. But then it just flashes up. Uh, Tommy the Knox died in 1980, shot in the head three times. Who cares? I love that, that. Did you? I thought that I was really... that, that was self. That was like, that was being... Why did you find that self-indulgent? I know, it just felt self-indulgent. I loved that. I thought that was really cool. I thought it was just, it was just the realities of what the mob was like at that time. Only those not to glorify. actually existed. It was... Do you know what? I thought found it less glorifying of the mob and gangsters than, oh, yeah, yeah. than yeah, some of his older movies. And I liked that because too often criminals get glorified in these movies and have all these witty, amazing lines. And, and this was a lot more real. The violence was just... I mean, he was a hitman. You know, he just pulled out his gun, shot someone twice in the he back. He painted houses. Yeah. That's what he done. You know, the violence was just... It wasn't as, glorified. It was just as, as 
every day as you would expect it to be. Oh, shot him twice in the head. Clean it up. Go. If they made no this music. film, if they made this film ten years ago, it would have been glorified. It would have been fucking hit. Not like, Marty. No, not not Marty. Not, not Marty. Not Marty. If, if Tarantino directed it, then maybe, but not Marty. I like that he's really stuck to his guns here because yeah. he knows that he's living in a world of one and a half hour superhero movies to an extent. Uh, holding people's attention is harder than ever and he's gone ah I'm actually going to test you further so I mean some people might say that was elitist but I think he's it's really good that he's stuck to his guns his way of storytelling he let's face it he hasn't got that many more stories to tell um, well we, we could have said that before this right and he's pulled this out of the bag so never write the old dog off I'd love to see more Al Pacino I'd love to see more Joe Pesci mm, yeah ah. Well, I think it's it's a. You know what that really fantasy lethal weapon movie that I keep trying to trying to push through. Get, get Joe Pesci back involved, man. <laughs> fuck your cell phones. That's why I don't like. Joe, fuck your cell phones. Joe Pesci comedies are few. We need more of them. Yeah, they Come do. On, Joe. All right, so let's uh, let's give this sucker a score. We were talking about this being a potential late entry to film of the year. Do we think it's one of those? I think it deserves to be mentioned, but. I, and then, then then moved on quickly. It's one of those films. Like, oh, yeah, it was great. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Great mm. film. Is it a film year? No. Mm. <laughs> I, it'll be really interesting to look back um, in about a month of the film of the year, right? Yeah. So I would have to go. It's a reluctant four. Is this the best streaming original movie of the year? Well, I can't think of the others now. Give me some. Give me some well, names. We've had, we've had classics like Hush. No, that was last year. Uh, what else did we have? Oh god, now I'm struggling. To think. I would say um, it probably is the, the best Breaking Bad movie. Oh, the Breaking better. Bad. It was the Breaking Bad movie was better. So I didn't. It's not even the best Netflix movie. No, there's been some. There's been some good ones this year. Yeah. Actually, we've so been surprised. I I believe the budget was 180 million dollars for this for this movie. That must have been mostly it to get these been, actors out of retirement. Well, it's probably the de-aging stuff, right? <laughs> you can go on that. And basically, the amount of film they probably use for Mike Scorsese. So imagine there's a director's cut of this. Oh, wow. So, uh, I, I, feel, I agree with you. I'm feeling four out of five. Should we call it that? I think, yeah, I would have to go four. I'm, I guess I was hoping for a five, and it's. Not, I just don't think I it's think Scorsese's best. All but of I think us, it's really good. I think the vast majority of us had four out of five in our head before we seen the film. And I had five. I was ready. I think, we, I think four, what I meant by that is four stars are already on the paper. Oh, You're right. just waiting for it to confirm it's a five-star yeah, film yeah. and that's it, job done. Yeah. And then the more you got into it, you go, oh, this is not what I got. I got something different mm. to, to what I was expecting, but it's still really good. Yeah. So I went in expecting chocolate. I got vanilla and vanilla's all right, but vanilla's never going to win ice cream of the year. Mm. So I, I'm going to say I agree with you. So there you have it. Four out of five, The Irishman, available on your Netflix account. Sooner or later, everybody put here as a date when he's gonna go. I know how you feel, Frank. Trust me, I know how you feel. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this, as aforementioned in the intro, if you like the cut of our jip, if you like us talking filmy, then maybe you're willing to go a little bit further. Click on the follow, like, subscribe, whatever button it is that you get more content from Talk Filmy to me. You know what they'll get, John, if they click that follow button? T-shirt. No, John. 
we can't keep giving out t-shirts <laughs> but what I will be getting is over the next month we're going to be doing our end of year special we're also going to be doing our Christmas special and this year the film is going to be The Nightmare Before Christmas we're also going to be doing a fun end of year pod where it's going to be mainly games and that sort of thing We've got a couple of interviews lined up and a couple of final little press releasey things but also of course we can't talk about Christmas and films without a Star Wars or two being involved and yes we will be going in-depth spoilerific on Star Wars the rise of Skywalker that's like six pods in four fucking weeks man that's a lot it's a lot of work it's a lot of work but you know what we do it because we do it for the filmy people we don't do it for the money <laughs> yeah, you do, no one does podcasting for the money anyway stay filmy till next time John it's been an absolute pleasure as always buddy how can people find you you can find me at Descomento on Twitter. And I have been Adam Flint. Anyway, if this is the last time you hear us, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Bye-bye. <laughs>